Today's reading is from John chapter 3, verse 3 to 30. Chapter 4. Oh, oh yeah, chapter 4, sorry. Um, so he left Judea and went, back to, and, went once, and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had gone through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would, give, and you, he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have, nothing to draw, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than the, our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank it from himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands and, um, and, man, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Woman, the woman, oh right, I'm sorry. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking talking with a woman but no one asked what did you want or why were you talking with her then leaving her the water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything I have ever done could this be the messiah they came out of the town and made their way towards him this is the word of the lord thank you very much guys and uh, um alex is going to make his way up in a moment who's going to be speaking to us and if you head up now. But just, just a little bit of background to the wonderful world of Alex. Um, Alex, this isn't the first time that he has spoken here, actually. Alex spoke on this very spot at our youth overnight stay. I think we called it a staycation, but it was basically just not sleeping very much in the church <laughs> over a 24-hour period. And that, So it's great to have you back. It's great with to us. be back. I understand that you've got a five-month-old daughter... 
So this is as close to a date night as, <laughs> as you and, and Ada will get for a long time. So That's we put right. the lights up for you guys. <laughs> We thought that would be quite nice. Thank you for doing it's all, all that good. for us. And uh, that's all right. No, it's good to have you. So anyway, we like to grill. Pe- uh, we like to interview people before before they, they speak to us, so that sure. we know you. So who are you? As you said already, I'm Alex, um, married to Ada, and as you said, we now have a daughter, five month old. She was born on December 18th, exactly a week before Christmas. Uh, so Christmas was a special time time for us. Um, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ, um, originally from Nigeria, came to live in England when I was 10, and I've lived, lived there since, since then. Fantastic. And you were around here. You're not here now, are you? But you were around here for a while. Yeah. What, what, what was that? What were you doing here, Alex? Uh, I was, used to work for Super Kids. I think that's what you're referring to. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah, for three or four years. Love that, enjoy that, and... I've stayed working with kids and young people since, since then. That was probably around 2010, 12-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, I still work with, with young people even now. Fantastic. And that leads on to my next question, really. Like, what, what specifically are you doing for work at the moment? Yeah, so I work for an organization called Kick. Um, they are a Christian charity who um, supply sports, PE education, mentoring, and chaplaincy to schools all over London and are now moving into other parts of England. Um, So through them, I am placed in a secondary school in Southfields and I work full-time as as the school chaplain. That's fantastic. So it's good to know a little bit more about you, but I said to you earlier, this is the closest to a date night you're going to get for a while. We've got the lights up. And so my next question is a little bit romantic. (laughs) I hope you don't mind. No worries. I hope you don't mind. Welcome to our family, by the way, Ada. It's good to have you. And so, how did you meet Ada, and what made you fall in love with her? And I thought, I thought for this question, I'll give you a bit of backing music. <laughs> Lovely. So, it was 2018. Um, we were in Manchester, and a friend of mine had invited us up for his birthday. Um, and at that birthday barbecue, he introduced me to his sisters. And There's Ad- like 30 seconds left on this Okay, one. and Ada was one of his sisters. And that's where we met, 2018, at a birthday barbecue. As for how we fell in love, we had a conversation that night. And in my head, I was just thinking, wow, this girl has so much stuff that I like about her and wanted to stay in touch and stayed in touch. And then we went beyond just talking and friends to getting married the year after that. So, yeah, that's us. Let's give the man a round of applause, shall we? That was beautiful. <laughs> Moving stuff. Sorry, Ada. I do not apologise to you. But, Ada, I'm sorry for any embarrassment caused. <laughs> um, so, that's, that's wonderful. Um, next, just, just off the cuff, quick question. What's your favourite charity? You got a favourite charity? Favourite charity. I mean, I've got, I've got loads, but if I had to pick one, it would have to be the Greenwich Food Bank. Absolutely. Well done. Good man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good man. Much. Fantastic. So... We've all gotten to know Alex a little bit more, but there's one, there's one more question. You mentioned that you, you follow Jesus. Yeah. And without preaching two sermons. <laughs> Very briefly, what does, that, what does that mean for you? And when did that kick off for you? Yeah, that is, is a good question because, 
Growing up, I would have always said I followed Jesus because I grew up in a Christian family. Our parents took us to church. I quite enjoyed church, actually. I wasn't one of those kids you had to, like, drag along. So I would have said I was Christian all those, those years. But to me, being a Christian meant doing all the good things to try and get to God. And it was only when I was 19, halfway through uni, that God showed me that, yeah, it's not working out for you, is it, trying to be a Christian by doing good things? Actually, you can open your heart to me, you can allow me to live in you, and I can help you to follow me. And that's what I've done. I remember getting on my knees that night in my room and just saying, yeah, Lord, I'm sorry. And God took me seriously that night. And since then, he's helped me to kind of follow. And I'm, I'm 36 now, and I can say it's, it's the best decision I've ever done since, since 19. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to pray for you. We are going to pray for you. And then we'll hear. Let's go. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Alex and his family. Thank you for the blessing of Isla. Thank you for Ada. Thank you for their story. Thank you for um, the work that you do through this family. Lord God, we've got 20 minutes or so in which we can hear from you. And we want to hear from you. Yes, God. Lord God, we want to hear from your spirit. Speak to us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Yes, please. Thank you so much, Jamie, for that. Um, yeah, it's really good to, to see. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having that back, actually. <laughs> no, the stand. Yes. I'd like to have something to put my notes on, please. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, as he does that, just to say, um, yeah, great to be back, seeing some familiar faces again. I recognize a lot of um, the young people from that staycation that I came to do. I, I recognize a few parents from them coming to drop, drop off as well, actually. So um, it feels like I'm, I'm among family. So, um, uh, yeah, for those of you who I'm meeting for the first time as well, great, great to be with you. I hope it's not going to be the last, the last time. Um, so thank you, girls, for reading that passage. Um, I thought I was going to have to read it at the start of my, my preach, so you guys saved me a bit of, a bit of time there, so thank you. Um, yeah, I've heard from Jamie that you are in this series at the moment, kind of thinking about um, what it means to be revived and refreshed by God and yeah, what a wonderful thing to come in on and to be asked to, to share on. And I, I, I think I just want to say, even before getting into my preaching, you're, you're in the right place for that. If you're in a place in your life where you're like, oh God, there's something missing. I just, I just need something. I want to encourage you, you're in the right place. There's no better person to be turning to than Jesus for refreshing for reviving. And that's why I'm going to be sharing from one of the Jesus's story in the Bible, um, because we see time and time again that Jesus loves doing that. He loves meeting with people and bringing refreshment and bringing life. And so thank you, girls, for reading um, that story for us with the Samaritan woman. It's one of my favorites. That's why I, I chose to go there. Um, like I said, I could have gone to many other passages where we see Jesus meeting with people. Um, so let's start by thinking about 
like I said, who knows where we all are in, at this point in life, right? Um, I certainly don't, don't know. Um, so I thought it would be good to kind of think about where this woman was, this Samaritan woman, at the point where she meets with Jesus. So we know from verse 6 that she came to draw water at the well at noon, at noon. And we may have just read that and thought, okay, she drew water at noon. But actually, at that time, that wasn't done. Women don't go and draw water at the height of the heat of day. Even in this country, midday is probably, when we start to get to summer, we know that that's probably part of the hottest time of the day. So it was in this place as well. It was the hottest time of the day. So women would usually avoid drawing water. Drawing water wasn't like going to the tap and getting some water. It's hard work. They would have had to walk quite a bit to get to the well and then walk quite a bit with the water on their head or on their shoulders to get back. So that's hard work. You don't want to do that in the heat of day. So the fact that this woman was doing that in the heat of day already tells us something. And As you look into the story, you'll realize that what it tells us is that this woman wasn't in a good place with the rest of her town. She was kind of like, almost like an outcast. She wanted to avoid being with other people. So she knew that everyone else is probably going to go about six o'clock in the evening. I'm going to go now so I can avoid just everyone. And as we look forever in the story, we discover why she's probably trying to avoid everyone. But that's one thing we already know about her. She's, she's a bit of an outcast. Second thing we know about her from her saying it herself is that she is a Samaritan. In the conversations with Jesus, she brings up this aspect of being a Samaritan. And if you read it there in verse 9, um, the writer of this, John, gives us a clue. He says in bracket, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus, being a Jew, was doing something very strange in talking to this Samaritan woman. And she knew it herself. The Samaritans and the Jews, I won't go into all the history, but they were very looked down upon by the Jews. They were kind of like the ones who are not fully holy, not quite there with God. Okay, so she knew that herself when she met with Jesus, that he's probably looking down on me. He probably doesn't want anything to do with me. So she's surprised herself when Jesus strikes up this conversation with her. Okay, so she's, she's a bit of an outcast. She's a Samaritan. In verse 17, look at it yourself. When they get into the conversation, Jesus asks her to call her husband. She says herself, I have no husband. Again, for a woman at that time, that that is not a good place to be, okay? But we know that's not the whole truth because Jesus then challenges her and says, actually, yeah, you're right, you have no husbands because you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is also not your husband. So I don't think Jesus says that in like a condemning way. But I think Jesus is kind of helping her realize that, look, I know the whole truth about you, yet I am still here talking to you. I'm not condemning you. Your history doesn't make that much of a difference to me right now. That's how I hear 
what Jesus says to her in that moment. So, this Samaritan woman, like I said, she wasn't in a good place for all those things that I described. You could say she might have been in the lowest place she's ever been. Some people might describe it as she was in a place of brokenness. Sounds like a lot had gone wrong in her past. Sounds like lots may still be going on, even going wrong even right at that moment. She doesn't sound to me like someone who was living life to the fullest. She sounds like to me probably someone who was just surviving, just trying to get through each day. So that's the place I think this woman was at the point when Jesus strikes up this conversation with her. Let's think about Jesus for a moment. So he comes to her and obviously she doesn't realize what kind of man um, Jesus is. Um, and, and obviously says this thing to her that, why is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for something to drink? You see that in verse 9. She clearly doesn't know that Jesus is no ordinary man. Jesus is someone who loves to break down every single barrier in order to get to us. So he already breaks down that Jew-Samaritan divide by actually talking to her. We also see later on in the, in the, in the chapter that he breaks another, another kind of cultural um, barrier. The fact that she is a woman itself is a barrier that he's crossed over there. Where do we see that? Look at verse 27. This is when the disciples have come back from trying to get something to eat. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. They were surprised. They were like, wow, he's talking to a woman here. Why is that? It's because as a Jewish kind of religious leader, like a rabbi, that would have been a very unusual thing to do. Apparently in that time, Jewish leaders in public would not really be seen talking to a woman. Why? It's because they want to avoid any kind of look of inappropriateness. Okay, so it was a very unusual thing for, for, for a, a leader, a, kind of a rabbi teacher guy, to be speaking to a woman in public. But Jesus breaks down this barrier as well. So he crosses that one. He crosses the one about her being a Samaritan just to be able to get to her. And like I said, we see Jesus do this several times throughout the gospel. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring life. He wants to revive. And like I said, this is just one example of that. There's no situation. Like I said, this woman was in a pretty desperate situation in a broken place, but no one is too broken for Jesus. No situation is too hard for him to get to. Look at verse 10 at what Jesus says to her after what she said about being a Samaritan woman. Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
And it's that living water that I'm really excited to think about and to talk about tonight. And I was saying to the guys when we were praying earlier on that my, my, my prayer for tonight is not just that we would talk about it, but we would experience Jesus just reviving every single one of us from the inside out. I was praying as the girls were reading that that would be happening just as we're hearing those words, that something would just start to bubble up inside of us. I'm praying that it's happening now. I'm praying that as we go through the rest of the service, you will feel a quickening. Do you know, my, um, when we did the 1 to 10 thing, I said to my wife I was a 5 because I, I had that nervousness that I always have before speaking, you know. And she, she said, she, she prayed for me. She said, I pray that that would go up to a 10. And I don't know about any of you who, including yourself, I think you said you were about a five. I don't know if anyone else is a five or someone else rated themselves even lower than a five. I pray in Jesus' name that by the time you're leaving this service, you wouldn't be a five. You would have gone gone way higher. You wouldn't be a two or three or whatever you were, but that you will feel Jesus just quickening you, reviving you, not just for today, but for going into the week, for going into the next month, for going into the months ahead. Lord, do that. Do that, I pray. So, Jesus says that he has living water to give. Living water to give. And that woman had some questions about that. She wasn't just going to take him at his word. And maybe you're sitting here thinking the same. I'm not just going to take you at your word. This woman has questions. She said to him, living water what what are you, what you don't even have something to draw water with how are you this water is quite deep it's not just a tap that you can just turn on what are you going to get water with okay and then she goes further she goes further to say and who do you think you are anyway talking to me about living water are you greater than our father jacob if jacob if this well was good enough for jacob where are you coming off with, with living water that's going to be better than this? So she challenges him. She has questions. She doesn't just take it on board that, oh, you've got living water to give me. You see later on again that when Jesus probes a bit and they get into that whole conversation, she, she raises another question. Look at it in verse 20. She says, sir, I can st- start from verse 19. Sir, I can see that you're some kind of a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she doesn't only raise the question about this living water he's talked about. She's also raising the question of just like worship. How do we engage with God um, as, as a bigger question? You guys as Jews say it has to be in Jerusalem. Our forefathers have always said it has to be in this place on Mount Gerizim. So answer that right so she raises all these questions and like I said I don't know what questions young people medium people older people I don't know what questions you're having at this stage of your life but like I said at the start you are in the right place Notice that Jesus doesn't shut her down for her questions. He doesn't push her away for her questions. He doesn't just say, all right, then get out of here. I don't have time for you. If you're not going to believe that I'm, I've got living water, tough. 
Keep thirsting. Keep coming to the well. That's not Jesus' respond. Look at verse 13. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus says to her, what I have to offer you is no ordinary water. It's water that will satisfy you, not only for this life, but for eternity. And guys, just, you know this even more than me. There are so many things out there that are offering us um, what is going to make us happy. All right, every single advert, claims to have the next thing that's going to make us happy. And then if we're gullible enough to believe it and grab hold of that thing, whatever it is, it doesn't take that long for us to realize that this is not it. This is not it. And so that's what's special about what Jesus offers, that it satisfies us for today. It satisfies us for next week and next month and next year and on to eternity. Notice that the woman eventually gets to that place where she says in verse 15, look, look at me, look at it with me. The woman said to, to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I'm praying that if anyone here is not there already when they came in tonight, that you would get there. You would get to that place where you say, Jesus, it's you. You are the one who offers living water. You are the one who offers living water. Okay, so I'm coming into land now and I want to think about what happens to this woman after this encounter, what happens? Is what Jesus offering, is it does, it, does it check out? Does it check out? Is there a difference in this woman? Look with me at verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? The fact that she's left a water jar behind already tells us that something has happened. Have you ever been in that situation where you're so excited that nothing else matters anymore? That woman had one of those moments. I also noticed that she went into town and said to the people, dot, 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 dot. Remember where we started? This woman was trying to avoid people. She was coming to the well at the heat of day, at noon. Why? Because she wants to avoid people. This very same woman is the one who is now going back into town. 
town is like the, the word for like the center of town. Like picture going into like the main park in Blackheath. Or if you're in central London, picture like running into Oxford Street. You know, she suddenly go into where, wherever she can find people. Saying, come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. There's something that has happened that has almost wiped away the brokenness of her past. The shame that she carried. The what are they going to say about me? I'm not married. I'm staying with a guy who's not even my husband. All the, all the condemnation and questions that comes with that. Something has happened to this woman that she now is not worried about all that. Something is bubbling inside her. Something is flowing inside her now. For me, that's transformation. For me, that's what Jesus can do. And it tells us in verse 39 that many Samaritans... Let me read it in the version you've, you've got in front of you. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. Again, it just made me think the same townspeople who probably would have looked quite down on her or wanted to avoid her. Because of the transformation they see in her, they, they listen to her. They take her word for it. They're like, wow, something has happened to this woman. It tells us that many believed in Jesus because of what she said. I imagine that this woman would have no longer been an outcast. I imagine that her relationship would have began to be repaired and restored with the people because of this encounter with Jesus. Guys, that is what Jesus can do remember what i said at the start if you're looking for refreshing if you're looking for reviving want to be restored you're not in a great place you are in the right place only jesus can do that only jesus can do that let's stand to our feet You know, I was thinking about how to, how to kind of end and how to land the sermon. Of course, we're thinking about reviving. I've been speaking about how Jesus does that. And so, of course, I want to give us the chance to just say, Jesus, come and do that for me. And, you know, sometimes we have people kind of be at the front who kind of offer prayer to people. But I was thinking, you know what, there's... There's times when everyone needs prayer. Because <laughs> what happens is if you're the one giving other people prayer, the service then ends and you've prayed for loads of people, but no one has prayed for you. And maybe you're just as desperate for that reviving and refreshing as anyone else. So that's why tonight I'm just going to be giving each of us the chance just to go directly to Jesus, just to pray, just to open up our hearts and know that Jesus wants to do that. Know that you don't even have to, to beg or persuade Jesus to do this. Notice that in this story we were reading, Jesus is the one who's crossing barriers to meet with this woman. 
So you, you, you're probably not the one who has to jump hoops to meet with Jesus. He's the one jumping hoops to meet with you. All you have to have is that openness, that willingness to say, yes, I want this, just like that woman did. Do you know what? There's a verse that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think that's in Hebrews. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you've read this chapter and you think, wow, Jesus did this for this woman, just know that he's still doing the same today. All over the world and right here at St. John's Blackheath. He's still doing the same. So I'm just going to give us a chance just quietly where you are. Just speak to the Lord Jesus. You don't have to use any fancy words. No one's going to hear you. Just pray naturally how you would normally pray. Ask Jesus for that refreshing, that revival. Perhaps there's something even more specific that you want to talk to Jesus about, a particular area that you need him to revive and to refresh. I'm just going to keep quiet now for the next minute or so. Speak to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the reviver. You are the refresher. And so for all that my brothers and sisters have spoken to you about, I just say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and do what only you can do. And just as that woman experienced, may we, as we go out tonight, into the rest of our week, into the coming months, may this church, as it goes on, striving to be your people, Lord, may we be refreshed in our individual lives and collectively as a church. May we be revived. May we be renewed. Lord, so that through us, many more people may come to know Jesus as Lord, may come to experience the life, the eternal life that Jesus gives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.